again that thing where I'm in a dream and I ask someone what their name is I was in a bar and actually the bar was almost identical to this bar I was in a year ago Um, it was in Italy and I was on this amazing sandwich tour in Tuscany anyway my friends yesterday were texting me pictures of these sandwiches that we ate a year ago and I guess it triggered the dream so I'm in the bar, and of course, I go up to the bartender and I ask, Hey, you know, what's your name? He looks at me and he's got this kind of all knowing smile and he says, Ahmed. He actually looked like that guy, uh, the detective in The Americans, uh, you know, Agent Beeman's buddy, uh, the guy that gets killed. Anyway, after he told me his name, like I had some sort of big spoiler alert, I told him that. Look, this is just a dream and none of it's real. And I was kind of waiting for him to be like, oh. But he responded without a hint of change in his facial expression. And he said something along the lines of, why does it matter? Are you afraid you're going to die? You know that Lumineers song? Um... It's called Stubborn Love. There's a line in it where they're like, is it better to feel pain than nothing at all? Which is an unanswerable question because you can't know what nothing at all is like. I suppose that could be death, but it's unclear. There's typically a fair amount of pain that precedes death though. I was thinking about the concept a lot At the same time, I was also very sleep deprived, which tends to change my thought process and and make me a little more introspective and creative. Sleep deprivation, as it were, has been linked to improving symptoms of people with severe depression, which is peculiar. Anyway, I was reading this article of an interview that the actor uh, Viggo Mortensen was giving. And the title of the article is basically how the first thing he thinks about in the morning upon awakening is death. And he's giving this interview in Spanish uh, because he natively speaks it among five other languages, not including Elvish. And he talks about the opening scene, which apparently is a father looking at his young child and saying or thinking I feel sorry for having brought you to this world just so that you have to die and then he goes on to say that he remembers when he was a child seeing like say a cat or a dog or a horse that had died and asking his mother if that would happen to him and after 
you know, her saying, no, that that's not for a long time now, and kind of hesitating and delaying, she eventually said, yes. And he said, since that time, that's been something that is always kind of in the background when he wakes up. You know, I can't be the only one thinking about death a lot right now, given where we are. And you know, in a couple of days, the anniversary of September 11th will ring in, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Memorializing 9-11 is like a religion for us, and most people have like a very particular memory from that day. Uh, I remember getting to school late, I was in high school, and uh, just after, I guess the first tower had crashed, I didn't know, a guy um, that I saw in the hallway uh, named Travis, who I probably could have been a little nicer to in high school, um, but anyway, broke the news to me, and we got to class and, and watched the second tower go down and extinguish you know, a thousand souls in a fiery collapse. And I'll never forget that. And I wonder, would we care more about the thousands of souls slowly and painfully and all alone without their families leaving the world every day if, you know, we were forced to watch it over and over? Death is elusive because nobody alive has died. Some people have the unfortunate privilege of witnessing it over and over, and I suspect that there's an added gravitas to the word for them. But then again, denial in the face of truth is what has probably brought the human race to where it is today. And it does feel wrong, you know, to put death on a scale, but the equilibrium of death and pain is so far tipped from life and happiness right now for many people. I can't help but think about it constantly a 31 year old last week wrote not bed for the guardian and the title is referencing how he will be dead in two weeks he's got a metastatic adrenal cancer the article is really inspiring and he talks a lot about the same things that you know one tends to think about when one thinks about you know the brevity of life and the article is sharp. I mean, it's like a dagger, and I've read it a couple of days in, in a row um, to try and kind of assuage my own anxieties and, and uncertainties, and to a certain extent, it helps. And this guy is going to be gone from this earth, according to him, in a, in a week, but he'll still be in my thoughts. And I only knew him through digital screen print. You know, his thoughts translated into an alphabet and words. And as restricting his language is, I, I feel like I can feel his fears. I'm going to transition, um, but it is related. Uh, in 2013, uh, in the New Atlantis, there was an article by uh, Katrine Kuyper entitled, Do Elephants Have Souls? And... The, the article is incredible. Uh, it'll make you a vegetarian. It's mostly about, well, it is about animal intelligence. Um, but I bring it up now because there's an anecdote about an elephant named Siri who was in a zoo uh, in New York in the early 80s who was observed without any initiation from a human to draw with a pebble on the ground. And then 
afterwards she was given some tools to do this and there's a book of her artwork now but the point is made there that artwork is really the truest way to see into and experience someone else's perception you know lacking the restrictive essence of words you know humans lose this freedom almost immediately and when I read this the first thing I did when I got home is I went straight into my living room and stared at the painting above my fireplace so my great-grandmother whom held me in her lap once painted it in the 1940s and it depicts two women in the middle of a dark night on a black coast in a gale you know like a, a storm with baskets in their hands gathering fish or clams and they're staring out at me in my living room providing me with the eye of my great-grandmother's mind and when I look at this portrait I like to think about how I'm looking at my grandmother's perception while she is painting you know strokes on a canvas and it's easy to imagine how time is not linear and some say the brain actually experiences everything at once all that has happened or will happen or is happening but as an organ it's evolved into a restrictor valve basically its function is to tune out the overstimulation so that we can get from point A to point B and pass on our genetic code. So this explains, in a way, things like deja vu or peculiar coincidences that you know may be experienced by someone when the brain kind of short circuits. Anyway, the mind at large, as it were, was coined by um, a guy named C.D. something or other, a uh, philosopher in Britain, and it was popularized by Aldous Huxley's Doors uh, of Perception, and, and I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I don't know, a month ago, I was in the grocery store, and uh, I ran into Travis again. It's like 10 years after seeing him. Uh, and like such a nice guy he invites me to have a beer with him and we took covid precautions you know we were outside masked whatnot um but the thing is after a couple of beers he was like you know what i think about when i think about you in high school and i said what and he said 9-11 you're the person i associate 9-11 with and I remember telling you about it and, and, you know, us going back to the class and watching everything that happened. And I was like, me too. You're who I think about. I don't know why, but that concept of us having the exact same memory when we both had an entire day of 9-11, you know, both of us had multiple experiences that day both share this same thought very odd
But anyway, since that time, uh, Travis and I have hung out a few times. We've played tennis together, and he was really good at tennis in high school, and he's really good now, and I'm horrible. And even though I'm not totally sure if he is just being nice and playing with me or actually enjoying playing tennis, I've really had a nice time. And the reason I'm saying that is that article by the guy in Britain who has metastatic cancer talks about the things he would like to convey to others as he's leaving the world and one of the things is the connection the human connection with others and being grateful for the experiences that you've had so what I'm saying is I'm grateful for seeing Travis again and I'm also grateful that I read this article by this guy who is sick and dying and and that's it